Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Does it never end with this woman? 25-year-old Jamie Lee Komorowski, drunk driver who plows into a newlywed couple. The bride ends up dead in her wedding dress. And what do we hear from the defendant behind bars? <laughs> me, 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 me. That's it. Nothing about the dead woman, about the groom who has life-altering injuries. She is complaining about everything from the food, which was last I looked, meatballs, hot dogs, and fresh bread. That sounds good to me. I wish I would come in from work and somebody would have meatballs, hot dogs, and fresh bread for me. But that's not good enough for Jamie Lee Komorowski. She's complaining that she can't hold the TV remote. Really? Let me rephrase. This woman who plows into a bride and groom, literally leaving the wedding reception, drunk as a skunk, three sheets to the wind, in the bottle, as we say. The golf cart the bride and groom are driving gets thrown, I think it was 100 feet Thanks to this woman, and now she's complaining she's not allowed to hold the TV remote. She's even complaining the sheriff didn't give her a mat to sit on to do her crunches. Reality check, woman. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at ABC. Sam just got that glow. The grief still raw for Eric Hutchinson. She's the type that walks in a room and you notice. Sorry. <laughs> now speaking exclusively to ABC News in his first interview since losing his wife, Sam. The unimaginable tragedy on their wedding night three weeks ago. An allegedly drunk driver crashing into them as they left their reception. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um, that night going from an all-time high to an all-time low. It's pretty rough to try to comprehend. Everyone was just so happy. She was so happy. One of the best nights of your life. It was. You are hearing the groom speaking out. That's Eric Hutchinson describing the best night of his life turning into the worst night he could ever even imagine. Here's more. The newlyweds set off by their guests through a wave of sparklers, jumping in a golf cart with family, but they never made it home. Do you remember the crash happening at all? I don't. I wish I did. The... I do remember the last thing I remember her saying was she wanted the night to never end. That was the last thing she said to you? The last thing she said. Just down the road from their reception, their golf cart hit by a car. Sam died at the scene. I remember waking up just kind of foggy, out of sorts, and 
I could see my mom's face and you could just tell something was wrong. And I asked her, where's Sam, where's Sam? And then that's when she told me it was an incident and that Sam didn't make it. Is there anything you'd say to the driver? No, I can't right now. She stole something. She just, uh, she stole an amazing human being that should not have been taken. You're hearing the groom speaking to our friend Eva Pilgrim. Eric Hutchinson has life-altering injuries. His new bride, dead in her wedding dress. With me, an all-star panel. First, I want to go to Audrey Conklin, uh, investigative reporter for Fox News Digital. Audrey, thank you for being with us. What exactly uh, are the groom, Eric Hutchinson's injuries? He was, he like you said, had life-altering injuries, and now he's in a wheelchair. Um, he was seen after the crash gathering with friends and families with casts all over his body and he was in a wheelchair and um, he'll never recover from this. I know he's got two broken legs, uh, multiple other broken bones. Um, His face, I believe, had broken bones in it. And we were told he even had some sort of a brain injury. Let me go straight out to Dr. Tim Gallagher, renowned medical examiner, joining us out of Florida at pathcaremed.com, lecturer at University of Florida Medical School of Forensic Medicine, the founder and host of the International Forensic Medicine Death Investigation Conference. Dr. Gallagher, thank you for being with us. What do you understand the injuries to the groom are and what exactly do we think happened to the bride. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Nancy. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we know that he does have the, the broken long bones in his body. He's got uh, broken bones in his upper and lower legs and broken bones in his uh, arms. Oh, first of all, could you slow down just a moment? I'm just a JD. Mm-hmm. You're the MD. And I have to kind of absorb everything you're saying. Okay. Do you mind starting over, doctor? Oh, absolutely. Um, we understand that he does have broken bones in his legs and in his arms. So uh, one of the bones that are broken in his legs is the bone in your thigh, which is your femur. And your femur is the strongest and uh, toughest bone to break in your body. And both of his were fractured in multiple places. So the uh, force of the impact was tremendous. In addition to that, and you can even hear it in his voice, um, he seems to have suffered a traumatic brain injury, you know, which uh, sometimes we would call that a concussion or a um, uh, some bleeding in the brain, but you could actually hear it in his voice as he he, he's trying to search for his words. You know, he, he loses his train of thought very easily. And you know, this is also associated with a lifelong uh, uh, suffering from migraine headaches. Um, so even though he has survived the injury, uh, he will never go back to his athletic self. He will never go back to uh, what he was before. He may 
um, ultimately be confined to the wheelchair because of his injuries, and he may never recover mentally uh, from this incident. Guys, you are hearing Dr. Tim Gallagher, medical examiner out of Florida, explaining what we believe happened to the groom. What happened to the bride? Um, it's very difficult for me to focus on the injuries this bride has sustained when I know that the defendant sitting behind bars is whining she can't hold the TV remote. But that said, what ended her life? Do we know, doctor? Uh, in, in these type of injuries, which we, we call uh, acceleration slash deceleration type injuries, uh, the common injuries are this. Uh, one of the uh, life-ending uh, forces that happens is she literally breaks her neck because of the whiplash. Uh, when you do that, the spinal cord is, is severed at the neck, meaning that you, everything below that injury, everything below the neck stops working, meaning your lungs stop breathing um, and your organs uh, don't function any longer. And then you typically die from that. Uh, but with the impact that she had, which uh, could have been as much as 45 to 65 miles per hour, um, we also find typically multiple breaks in the vertebral column, that is uh, in the, in the uh, backbone, um, and multiple breaks in the spinal cord, meaning to say if she did survive this injury, she would be dependent 100% on uh, 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 medical care. Uh, you know, being in an ICU, she would never walk again. She would never talk again. She would never breathe on her own without the assistance of a machine. Um, and typically in these accidents, they're also associated with skull fractures, injuries of the ribs. The ribs are also crushed so badly that the shards of the broken ribs go into the lungs puncture the lungs as well as the heart. So these are the typical injuries that we see in these acceleration slash deceleration type injuries. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me is the director and founder of the Cold Case Research Institute and star of a hit podcast, Zone 7. Cheryl McCollum is joining us. Cheryl, how many times, just forget about the times that you and I have worked crime scenes together, uh, but throw in all the times you have worked with defendants. Well, you've never really worked with defendants, but been around defendants. And all they think about is themselves. Forget about the victim and the victim's family. That means nothing to them. They care about one thing and one thing only. What is going to happen to me? That's all they think about. And I immediately always think about you. When you were my prosecutor, one of the things you would do so brilliantly is use those words against them. Let that jury know. This is what they said. So when she makes statements like, my whole life is going to be over, I just can't believe this happened to me. Why me? 
your life's not over. The bride's life is over. Something tragic happened to her. Something unbelievable happened to her. And you would remind them of that. She died in her wedding dress because choices you made, starting at about the time she was taking her vows. While she's getting ready, while she's rolling her hair, you're getting ready to go to a bar. While you're, you know, taking shots, she's taking her vows. While she's loving and accepting hugs and well wishes from her grandparents and her parents and her siblings and her best friends, you're getting in a car barreling right toward her. That's what you would tell a jury. You know, I want to remind everyone, uh, I introduced Cheryl as the founder and director of the Cold Case Research Institute, but also the former president of Georgia Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Mad. And just hearing the name Jamie Lee Komorowski makes me mad. You know what, Jackie, let's skip forward. Um, I really don't know where to start with what this woman is saying and whining about behind bars. Let's just start with Cut 25, our friends from CrimeOnline.com. And I want you to know where this came from. These calls were obtained from the Post and Courier, a local newspaper. And I'm so glad that they got a hold of this because this is the only way we could find out the true frame of mind of the woman that mowed a bride down dead on her wedding night, on her way to her honeymoon cottage, mowed her down dead. And she is whining behind bars about the TV remote and the yoga mat and the hot dogs and the meatballs. Really? That's the tip of the iceberg. Take a listen to our friends at Crime Online. The jailhouse recordings were obtained by the Post and Courier through a Freedom of Information request. Quotes include Jamie Komorowski sobbing, quote, I can't believe this is my life and my whole life is going to be over. Oh, my God. I just can't believe this happened to me. Why me? I'm going to be here for years and years and years and years, unquote. To this, Komorowski's father replied that it was time to, quote, suck it up and, quote, get tough in her new environment. Jamie Komorowski replied, I can't. I want it to be over. Correct me if I'm wrong, Audrey Conklin, investigative reporter, Fox News Digital, but she's still in the county jail, right? She is still in the county jail, yep. And this occurred where, Audrey Conklin? Where exactly? In Charleston County, so this is along the coast of uh, South Carolina. Folly Beach, South Carolina. Has anybody on this panel ever seen Andy of Mayberry? Are you serious? Nobody on this panel seen Andy of Mayberry? Well, I guess so. (laughs) It's like that lockup. Yeah, I actually liked it. Yes, I love Andy and Mayberry. I force-fed the children Andy and Mayberry. It's like that. And I don't mean in a comical way at all. I mean that this is not the big dollhouse. This isn't Rikers. This is the local county jail where they're typically actually really nice to the suspects that are housed there. And she's already complaining about why me, 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 me. Dr. Sherry Schwartz joining me. And boy, do we need a shrink. 
Dr. Sherry Schwartz, forensic psychologist specializing in capital mitigation and victim advocacy at panthermitigation.com, author of Criminal Behavior and author of Where Law and Psychology Intersect Issues in Legal Psychology. She literally wrote the book. Dr. Sherry Schwartz, thank you for being with us. What is wrong with this woman? Well, she's got a number of issues. The thing that comes through in those phone calls that we're reading about is this sense of entitlement. And in this case, when you take it all together with everything that's been printed so far, because she still has time to get on the phone. Oh, yes. This sense of entitlement is a maladaptive feature. It's It can be considered an element of grandiosity or inflated sense of self that's often seen in narcissism. Basically, it makes these people inherently unlikable, and it's all about her. She doesn't really have true remorse for what she's done, because if she did, she would be expressing that with her other words and behaviors, not just when she says, I want to apologize. I'm trying to soak in everything that you just said. I agree with what you're saying about the sense of entitlement, but I think it's so much more. You know, another issue is how did the Post and Courier get their mitts on these calls to Jarrett Ferentino, homicide prosecutor. You can find Jarrett on Facebook and Insta at Jarrett Ferentino. Jarrett, thanks for being with us. Those calls are not privileged. It's not like you're going into a dark closet and confessing to a priest all the the naughty things you've been doing. It's not like you're meeting with your lawyer and everything you say is protected by the attorney-client privilege. You're on a jailhouse public phone or you're being videoed during visitation. That's what I'm talking about. That's not privileged. It's not privileged, Nancy. That Those calls, I keep thinking about Casey Anthony talking to her parents too. Same age, same self-entitlement, same uh, narcissism on her jailhouse tapes. Every jail uh, in America has a sign. When you sit down to visit with someone, your calls and visits are recorded and subject to disclosure. Uh, When you have these meetings, they're so powerful in a courtroom. They're certainly powerful in the court of public opinion. You are given, you know, you could only hold on to the acting part of this for so long. You are given a real look into who Janie Komorowski is when she's interacting with her parents, complaining about the food. And it's just a powerful tool in the presentation of the case. And as as Cheryl said, you would use the words against people like Jamie, I have done it. Prosecutors have done it across the country. If you can find a defendant that sinks themselves in that kind of visit, it's very powerful. Well, Jared Fiorentino, you read my mind. Jackie, please play Cut 40. In this entire time, I haven't sat in my room for the entire month and been mad. Not once, not one time. But right now, this is the most agitated and frustrated that I've been even when I've sat with Jose and I watched that episode of of Nancy Grace and stuff that was being said about mom and being said about me and him and everybody else and stuff that I've heard it's frustrated me but I've let it go right now I'm so hurt by everything I don't even know what to say and and I hate to say that you're you're the one that can control everything you're the one no I dad Please. I'm, sweetie, okay, I'm completely... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get you upset. I'm trying no, to No, but you. I am upset now. What? 
Not only is she trashing me as if I cared. That's top mom Casey Anthony that Jarrett Fiorentino just brought up whining behind bars about something I said about her mother. I said that her mother was probably going to lie to protect her, which she did on the stand. Cindy Anthony risking perjury, taking the heat to get her daughter off. That's how much she loves taught mom Casey Anthony and then at the end you hear George Anthony God bless that man saying you're the one that can control everything in other words you can tell us where Kaylee's body is you can tell us what happened and that sets taught mom Casey Anthony off and the dad's going sweetie sweetie I don't mean to get you upset and she starts screaming but that's not all listen to cut 41 I'm completely upset one the media is gonna have a freaking field day with this no no I wasn't even I wasn't even supposed to take this. Let me speak for a second. Dad, I let everybody talk. They're not releasing it. Well, I hope not. I'll keep saying whatever I have to about the police so they don't let it go. Can someone let me... Come on! Casey, hold on, sweetheart. Settle down, baby. Nobody's letting me speak. You want me to talk? Then give me three seconds to see something. I want Kaylee. Things like that. And that's not even getting put on the air, which it should be. It's everything else. Everything that I'm, I'm not saying. You know why she's so angry? Because her parents are asking her, Sweetheart, where's Kaylee? Your daughter? But do you hear what she's focused on? Not her missing daughter, who she killed. But on what the media is saying and how the media is going to portray her. Now, one more and remember, all these, all these statements, all of these phone calls, all of these video chats are, pers- are there for us to see and read and hear under the Sunshine Act in Florida and other jurisdictions. Take a listen to our Cut 43. Just to understand, we're all going in so many different directions. We just want to go in the right one. Well, I can't point you in that direction when I'm literally at a standstill. Okay. I am just as removed from the situation as somebody who has no clue what's going on, at least even random people that we've never met have more of an outlook on this than I do right now. It's really sad. That's really, really sad that I literally have nothing right now. And of course, uh, taught mom, Casey Anthony, walked free on the murder of her daughter, Kelly. But that brings me to Misty Crosland, the so-called girlfriend that was taking care of a beautiful little girl, Haley Cummins. And somehow in the middle of the night, her story is that someone actually came into the trailer they shared and took the baby Haley Cummings, and she had no idea what happened. Okay, Crawson gets thrown in jail on another matter. I believe it was drugs, but I want you to hear our cut 44, her whining about her predicament behind bars. I'm on my one out of here. <laughs> okay, Bond was got lowered or anything? So it's at fifty thousand now? Yeah, our hair is called yesterday. It's the money at the bottom is trying to come up with the money. 
thousand. So we need ten thousand to get out. I hope you guys can get me out. Okay, first of all, Robert Crispin joining me, private investigator, former Federal Task Force for U.S. Department of Justice, DEA, Miami Field Division, never a lack of, of business there, former homicide investigator, now at CrispinInvestigations.com. Did she actually say, what is 10% of 50000 And then she and I think her mom agree that that's 10000 Right, right, right. They're more worried about what her bond is than where's the missing child. Wait, okay, maybe I went to the wrong person. You know, your phone has a calculator on it in case you can't figure out what's 10% of 50,000. It's 5,000. Right, right, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 I knew that. But okay, to your point, which is? Which is they're more worried about what her bond is and what they need to come up with to get out of jail versus the entire reason she's in there. And where's this child? They only care about themselves, Nancy. That's all they care about. Of course, I can tell you right now, Haley Cummings is dead because she's been missing so long now. There's no way this child is still alive. And this woman never told the truth. Hey, guys, you heard uh, Top Mom Casey Anthony whining about the Nancy Grace show. Well, listen to Misty Crossland in Cut 45. They're recording everything y'all do. I mean, how 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 can we not see each other? We're, we are not co-defendants. And I think Miss Nancy Grace uh, needs to keep her mouth shut until she knows the facts. What's she saying? All kind of crazy crap. Um, All about you and Haley, and it, it's bullshit. It is. Oh yeah, right. Okay, so again all worried about what the media is saying about them. And I want to bring it back home to the case we're covering right now of Jamie Lee Komorowski. You know what? Um, let's take a listen to our cut 29, Jackie. This is what we learned about Jamie Lee Komorowski behind bars. Komorowski talks about the crash with her friends in a video chat obtained by the Charleston Post and Courier. She said, quote, it was just like a freak accident. Obviously, I didn't mean it to happen. A freak accident? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Cheryl McCollum, there is no accident about getting drunk in a bar and deciding to take your keys, go crank up your car, put it in reverse, put it in drive, go out on the road, and speed plowing your car into the bride and groom. That's not an accident. That is not an accident. Those are all choices that only she made. She made the choice to be three times the legal limit she made the choice to drive twice the speed limit. She did that. And when she hit them, Nancy, I want people to understand, to knock someone off a golf cart a hundred feet, that is a powerful impact that, again, she was killed instantly. But it all resulted, not that she woke up that morning and predetermined she was going to murder somebody. But her actions caused the death of someone. She did it. She alone. And you know, Jarrett Fiorentino, a veteran homicide prosecutor, Jarrett, I firmly believe that 
DUI, vehicular homicides, should actually be treated like malice murder because, as Cheryl McComb just pointed out, it's not that you somehow end up drunk. This one was three times the legal limit. But a series of decisions are made leading up to the death of another person, uh, maybe akin to a felony murder charge. I, I find that vehicular homicide DUIs are treated much more leniently, and I don't agree. This is not an accident. I agree 100%, Nancy. They're treated like accidents, almost like as tragic or accidental on the part of the defendant. When you look back, as Cheryl said, you look at all of the intentional actions that were committed by Jamie Lee Kamarowski. She went out. She drank too much. Every drink she took was another intentional act, putting her in that drunk state. And then she makes the choice to get behind the wheel. Then she speeds. Her speed was 65 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour zone. Also, these are choices and voluntary acts. She is acting intentionally and should be held accountable for those actions. It's no different than taking a weapon and aiming it at someone and shooting. It's that simple. It's murder. It should be felony Well, another issue uh, to Cheryl McCollum is under our law across our country, voluntary use of drugs or alcohol is not a defense. Otherwise, everybody in the local jail and the federal penitentiary would go, oh, I was drunk when I did that, and then walk straight out the front door. That is not a defense. So why should it in any way mitigate the death of Samantha, uh, the, the bride? I don't understand that. It should not, and it will not here. And I'll tell you something else. All you got to do is listen to her dad. Her dad tells her to suck it up and get tough. He has known her behavior. There's not one person that ends up in this situation and claims they need to go to rehab that didn't know they had an alcohol abuse problem before, didn't know they didn't have a substance abuse problem before. There is nobody in rehab right now that is shocked. They knew. They knew they had a problem. Their family knew. Their friends knew. Their coworkers knew. This isn't going to surprise anybody. It's tragic, and they hate that it happened. But she freaking did it. I want Percy Pitzer joining us to take a listen to what we're about to play. Percy Pitzer, former federal warden, 30 years in corrections, founder of Creative Corrections Education Foundation. Percy, take a listen to this, our friends at Crime Online. Komorowski tells friends it's likely that she won't serve any prison time because it had all been an accident. Komorowski says other inmates told her she would get out on bond and have to do a bunch of stuff while awaiting trial. That would be stuff that, quote, that, like, makes you look good and they'll, like, let you off easy. Komorowski tells friends, quote, there's been people that have, like, killed people on purpose before and, like, they've gotten out on a bond. Via a video chat screen obtained by the Charleston Post and Courier, Komorowski sobbed and covered her face saying she didn't want people to think she was a terrible person. Komorowski predicted she would be set free on bail within two months. And in the meantime, she said, she was thinking of learning a new language and was passing the time listening to history and science podcasts. Quote, I'm going to be a genius when I get out. I just had to pause and let that sink in. Percy Pitzer, there's just so much happening in this woman's head. None of it good. Uh, telling friends... She won't have to serve prison time because it had all been an accident that the other inmates are telling her she's going to get out on bond and, quote, do a 
bunch of stuff to make you look good so you can get let off easy. And then going on to talk about all the podcasts she's going to listen to behind bars. What is wrong with this woman, Percy? And have you ever seen defendants actually admit, hey, I did a horrible thing. How can I make up for it? I feel awful about what I did. That's not what we're hearing from this woman, Percy. Now, I suspect that she's never in her life been held accountable for anything that she's done, for any decisions that she's made. Uh, she don't understand or not willing to understand that ever action has a consequence. And, and her consequences is probably going to be in prison for quite a while. And, you know, even her dad recognizes her flaws when, when he says, suck it up and get tough. I, it's just, and she's not going to do easy time because I don't think the inmates will allow her to with her attitude. You know, you're guilty, but I'm not. Truer words were never spoken, Percy. But I want to circle back to the parents in this scenario. Uh, Apparently, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Take a listen to Our Cut 26 from Crime Online. In a phone call obtained by the Charleston Post and Courier, Komorowski's father says, quote, You don't need to be sorry, Jamie. This is what happened, and we're going to take care of it. There's no being sorry about it. Her father said during one call, We don't care about what happened. We don't care. We only care about you. Komorowski repeatedly thanked her parents for standing by her. We don't care what happened. We don't care what happened to the bride. Well. We only care about you and getting you out of jail. Is that Percy? Yeah. You know, she's just never been held accountable for anything. She's just, and obviously her parents uh, probably instigated that in early childhood. You know, I'm going to take care of you. We don't care what happened okay um but there's there's also the mom in this scenario what do we know about the mom take a listen to our cut 36 our friend dave mack 10 years before her daughter allegedly struck and killed a bride on her wedding night on folly beach 62 year old tracy komoroski was the driver of a jeep that struck and killed forest fire service warden jeffrey Schur during a control burn in new jersey it was mid-morning as the control burn near Round Valley Reservoir in New Jersey was underway when the wind suddenly shifted and sent smoke so heavy across the road that three drivers couldn't see a fire truck partially blocking the road with emergency lights flashing. The first vehicle narrowly missed the truck and Warden Sure, but the Jeep behind it, driven by Tracy Komorowski, struck and killed the firefighter near Round Valley Recreation Area. The SUV that was third in line clipped the fire truck and the Jeep. Jeffrey Schur was 35 and a six-year veteran of the fire service. The crash that took his life was deemed a tragic accident, and no charges were filed. So that's what we know about the mom. And we know the dad has told the daughter, Jamie Lee Komorowski, we don't care what happened to the bride. We care about you. And what is happening to this woman behind bars, well, take a listen to our cut 32. Komorowski has been vocal about conditions in the jail. Her complaints range from a lack of riding supplies to not having an exercise mat to do her crunches. Komorowski has complained about nosy deputies and the food, hot dogs, cold meatballs, white bread, and more. She even complains that a deputy 
wouldn't even let her hold the remote control to change the television channels in her holding area. Audrey Conklin joining us from Fox News Digital. Please help me, Audrey. How do we know this woman complained about not being able to hold the TV remote? We know that because the Post and Courier obtained um, recordings from the jailhouse um, that Jamie made with her parents and her friends, and that's what she said in one of the recordings. Meatballs, hot dogs, bread, yoga mat, TV remote, writing supplies... Uh, Cheryl McCollum, maybe she needs to review the crime scene photos. Can you imagine just the witness list, Nancy? Don't even get to the photographs yet. Just look at the witnesses. Grandma, your elderly neighbor growing up, your first grade teacher, your best friend from college, your best friend from first grade. It goes on and on. Your siblings, your parents. I can't imagine that scene, having to work that as a first responder, where not just you have this tragic death, but every single person that loved her was right there. Well, it's not over, is it? Audrey Conklin joining us from Fox News Digital. Audrey, take a listen to our Cut 31, our friends at Crime Online. During their jailhouse conversations obtained by the Charleston Post and Courier, Komorowski's father said, quote, bringing the jersey to South Carolina, baby. He was referring to the fact that two top-notch attorneys have been hired to represent Komorowski, a husband and wife team who hail from their home state of New Jersey. During the conversation, Komorowski's father tells her to stop talking about the wreck. He reminds her that her statements were being recorded and could be used against her. Komorowski keeps interrupting and ignoring his words. Jamie Lee Komorowski says, quote, but I wanted to make sure that I could say an apology and they said I would be able to say an apology. Komorowski's father, listen, stop talking about it. Don't even say that. So I guess what's happening right there, Jarrett Fiorentino, a homicide prosecutor, is that the father is savvy enough to, savvy enough to know that if you apologize, that could indicate you know you're guilty. And he's saying, shh, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. None of what she's saying is helping her, Nancy, in any way. And she's seeing this as an opportunity to express remorse. Uh, despite her dad's warning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Express your more. She's saying, I hope the judge knows I'm really sorry. And do I get a chance to make an apology? Everything is about her looking good to get out on bond. Exactly. That's what this is about. Exactly. And, and her attorney in the bond application said her client is, or their client is being painted as the villain. She is the villain. Who is she? She is the villain in this scenario. Absolutely. Absolutely. Audrey Conklin, what can you tell us about the status of a bond for the defendant, Jamie Lee Komorowski? I can tell you that she fully expects to post bond. She's expecting her parents and her family to come in and um, post this money for her so that she can get out of jail. She's told her friends that she thinks she's going to get out of jail soon. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend.